We are glad to make all of our Jcast Network podcasts free for our listeners. However, they are not free to produce and host. Please consider making a donation to Jcast Network to help support our work by visiting jcastnetwork.org slash donate. Thanks for your support. You are listening to Stender, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts, please visit jcastnetwork.org. To share your thoughts about this podcast or others, please visit facebook.com slash jcastnetwork. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom. Sometimes it's hard to know whether art imitates life or life imitates art. But this week we read of a new leader with authoritarian instincts who rises to power and consolidates power through demonizing a minority population uh, and imposing cruel policies and violent policies uh, upon that minority population uh, in order to showcase his own strength uh, and to more firmly grasp at his own power. A leader who, when given an opportunity to reverse course, and to pursue a more humane policy and course of action, uh, not only refuses, but compounds his cruelty uh, by uh, doubling upon the policies uh, of oppression and violence that had enabled him to come to power in the first place, showcasing the strength that authoritarians desire to showcase, and then uh, making an argument that the people who are receiving, on the receiving end of these cruel policies, are themselves to blame for the fortune that has befallen them. I'm, of course, talking about Pharaoh uh, and the portion that we read today, and in particular, the part of the portion that we read today uh, toward the end when Moses goes to Pharaoh uh, to, uh, to ask him, to demand of him that he let the children of Israel go. And Pharaoh responds by saying that not only will he not let the children of Israel go, but he will make their labors even more difficult, that the reason that they are asking for their freedom is that they are shirkers. Uh, He'll make their labors even more difficult by refusing to provide straw for them to make bricks. They'll have to procure straw themselves and make their own bricks in order to complete the labors, and their quotas won't be reduced. They'll have to continue producing uh, the same amount of construction that they were doing before they had to make their own bricks. And when the people complain to Pharaoh that they can't possibly keep up with these new quotas, with this new compounded oppressive policy, Pharaoh says, the reason that I have doubled your labors 
is because you are shirkers. That is why Moses and Aaron are coming to me saying, let us go and sacrifice to our God. You just want an excuse to get rid of your labors, and that is not going to happen. It is your fault that your labors are doubled. It's hard to know sometimes whether art imitates life or life imitates art. Because in some ways, Pharaoh is the paradigmatic tyrant in history for the behaviors that he exemplifies in our Torah portion this week. But there were tyrants before Pharaoh. And there are, we know, tyrants that come after and if we look back, as this uh, is the last Shabbat of 2018, and we look back at the year 2018, as so many have, uh, what we see happening not only here but around the world is a stunning rise in authoritarian uh, politics and policies around the world and at home. Uh, you can see here and abroad leaders modeling the same kinds of behavior, the same kinds of arguments that Pharaoh typifies in our Torah portion. The projection of strength through the demonization of minorities. The dismantling of institutions in service of the authoritarian's own power. And even, Pharaoh says uh, to, uh, the, uh, to the leaders of the Israelites in the Torah portion after they complain of, uh, of uh, the new quotas that have been placed upon them, uh, he says to them, Al ishu el sheker. You shouldn't listen. Ah, there it is. The al ishu b'divrei sheker. Let heavier work be laid upon them. Let them keep at it and pay it, and not pay attention to deceitful promises. In other words, don't pay attention to fake news. <laughs> Pharaoh typifies even here the authoritarians' desire to control the very definition of what is true, and he's arguing against the uh, the Israelite leaders who say that we are not asking for a reduction in labor because we are shirkers, we're asking for it because it's already too much. That Moses comes to the children of Israel and says, God has come to me and says, I'm going to redeem you. That there is yet hope of liberation and justice and freedom and redemption. And Pharaoh says to them, that is fake news. Don't listen to it. This is a story that has played out over the course of history, and it is frighteningly playing out in our world today. And so the question that comes before us as we study this Torah portion that provides us a model for this type of leadership and this type of politics is, what do we do about it? It's tempting to be an Egyptian. And the Egyptian people, by and large, with a couple of notable exceptions and early in the, in the portion, the Egyptian people, by, by and large, don't question the leadership of Pharaoh. Don't question the policies. Don't question the leadership. The Israelites, by and large, don't question it either. They are, in some senses, uh, acquiescing to their own servitude 
in the portion. There are, again, some clear examples of resistance to that, but by and large, the Israelites, uh, even their leadership until Moses and Aaron show up to talk to them, even their leadership uh, accommodates the untenable and tyrannical situation. Moses and Aaron stand apart. Moses and Aaron stand apart. Moses is reluctant to do so. Aaron a little bit less so. But they stand apart. God commands Moses and Aaron first to go and convince the leaders of the children of Israel that they should stand up to Pharaoh and demand their freedom. The leaders of the Israelites believe the signs that Moses brings them and Aaron brings them. And they agree to have Moses and Aaron represent them to Pharaoh, to go and lobby for their freedom to Pharaoh. But something interesting happens. According to God at the burning bush, the elders, the leaders of the Israelite community, are supposed to go with Moses and Aaron to Pharaoh to demand the freedom of the Israelites. But in chapter 5, when Moses and Aaron appear before Pharaoh. What verse? Chapter 5, verse 1. Right after the nation believes Moses and Aaron, and they bow low in homage. Chapter 5, verse 1. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went to, and said to Pharaoh, This is what the God, the Lord God of Israel says, Let my people go that they may uh, uh, celebrate, they may, have a, uh, or they may worship me in the wilderness. So there's a few things that are interesting about that passage. First is, how do Moses and Aaron get an audience with Pharaoh in the first place? The Torah doesn't give us that information. I'm going to leave that question aside, although I think it's an interesting one. The Midrash says that this, uh, that compounding on maybe explaining why Pharaoh was so upset with uh, Moses and Aaron in this scene is that this was his coronation day uh, or the day that celebrated his coronation. And so rulers from all over were coming to pay homage to Pharaoh, give him gifts. And uh, Moses and Aaron were kind of like hanging out in the back of this room. But finally they make their way to the front after all the other leaders of all the other nations bring all these gifts. And Pharaoh's like, expecting a great gift from these uh, from these two guys, and they don't have a gift for him. They just say, let my people go, and he's none too pleased by that. Um, that seems like a maybe a plausible explanation of how they find their way in, uh, in an audience with Pharaoh in the first place. But what's notable to me about this is that Moses and Aaron are alone. They're supposed to have an audience with Pharaoh. They're supposed to go to Pharaoh with the elders of the children of Israel. So what happened to the elders? So the Midrash says that the elders start out walking from Goshen to Pharaoh's palace with Moses and Aaron. But as they walk by, they see instances of Pharaoh's brutality. And one by one, they peel off from the pack, afraid of what will happen to them if they actually end up before Pharaoh and argue for their liberation. So that by the time... They get to the palace, only Moses and Aaron remain. Everybody else has turned away, afraid of reprisal. Moses and Aaron are the ones who remain. The, uh, 
the Itzchayim commentary says about this something powerful. It says, what happened to the elders and leaders who were to go with them? A Midrash tells that the whole group set out to confront Pharaoh, but one by one the others dropped out for reasons of timidity. Only Moses and Aaron remained. Two men, two old men, standing against the power of the Egyptian empire. This, to me, is the model that the Torah offers us. When confronted with authoritarian leadership and the threats that it poses to civilized society, it is tempting to acquiesce. And it's also tempting to be afraid because we know from history that those who rise to oppose tyrants don't always fare so well. I started wearing uh, over the, uh, in the past several weeks a white rose. I don't know if any of you had noticed that I had. And I don't know if any of you know the history of the white rose, but the white rose was a, was a symbol of a group of students in Nazi Germany uh, who uh, led a, uh, a, a, a meaningful uh, student-led protest movement um, against the rise of Nazi power. Now, the leaders of the White Rose uh, all uh, were murdered by the Nazi regime. It's dangerous to oppose authoritarians. And nevertheless, Moses and Aaron model for us the importance and the courage necessary to stand even alone in resistance and opposition to a rising tyranny. The tradition offers in this moment that it's not so much that Moses and Aaron are confronting Pharaoh, but Moses and Aaron are representatives of something bigger, a greater ideal, the ideal of justice and the ideal of liberation, exemplified by the God that they serve and the God that they represent. The real dynamic here is between God and Pharaoh, not Moses and Aaron and Pharaoh, but God and Pharaoh. Moses and Aaron are the representatives. Moses and Aaron stand before Pharaoh, refusing to be cowed, because they believe they represent a God of justice and freedom. And the God that we serve, the God our tradition calls us to serve, is a God of justice and freedom. It's a God that stands diametrically opposed to the impulses and instincts of the authoritarian. The authoritarian projects strength, a God of justice and freedom, demands of us an acknowledgement of our own humility and the limitations of our own power. The authoritarian controls narrative, seeks to control narrative. The, our tradition teaches us, the seal of a God of justice and freedom is truth. The authoritarian consolidates power through the demonization of minorities and others, opponents, and the God and a God of justice and liberation exalts the sanctity of every living being, regardless of status, regardless of position, regardless of birthplace, regardless of economics. Moses and Aaron stand alone before Pharaoh and demand, let my people go. 
I pray that in the year 2019, that each of us remember and learn from the model of these two leaders who represent a God of justice and freedom in a lonely context that nevertheless demands of every individual courage, resilience, commitment, and faith. Each of us individually, and maybe even all of us collectively, may not be able to turn back the encroaching darkness that threatens to engulf our world. But we can, at least, not peel off from the herd and acquiesce to the oppression like so many in this opening in these opening chapters of the book of Exodus. We can be vigilant. We can be courageous. We, as individuals and as a collective, can stand before the most powerful people in the world who seek nothing but the accumulation of more power and more wealth at the expense of goodness, of life, of justice, and we can stand before them and demand, let my people go.